Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My dear brothers and sisters, our dear friends. Alhamdulillah, we've reached the 27th uh, in this series on Ulum al Quran, and uh, there was so much uh, apprehension and anticipation when we started, and now we're nearly towards the end of it. Uh, how fast the 27 days have passed. Subhanallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the best of it. We start with some recitation of the Quran. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا هل أدلكم على تجارة توجيكم من عذاب أليم تؤمنون بالله ورسوله وتجاهدون في سبيل الله بأموالكم وأنفسكم ذلكم خير لكم إن كنتم تعلمون يغفر لكم ذنوبكم ويدخلكم جنات تجري من تحتها الأنهار جنات تجري من تحتها الأنهار ومساكن طيبة في جنات عدن ذلك الفوز العظيم وأخرى تحبونها نصر من الله وفتح قريب وبشر المؤمنين صدق الله العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد The topic for today uh, in the 27th, uh, the, our 27th topic today is actually Al-Qissatu Fil-Qur'an. Al-Qissatu Fil-Qur'an, which means stories in the Qur'an, storytelling in the Qur'an, the purpose of stories in the Qur'an, narratives, accounts. What, why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, bring so many stories? What are the purposes behind them? How he does it and the style in which it is done. Now, for a detailed understanding of that, you will have to actually pick up the Quran and start reading the stories and you will come across the story of Musa salam in Surah Al-Baqarah, then you'll come across his story again in many, many other surahs and then you can start seeing the differences between them. So the detailed study of that will be left to you. What we're going to do today is going to provide, inshallah, uh, an understanding of the purpose of them, uh, some other framework uh, points, uh, methodologies and why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has brought stories there in the first place. Inshallah that will enrich our reading of the Quran uh, but inshallah you will uh, inshallah once you've understood this of the purposes of that uh, we may have been reading the Quran but without looking for these uh, purposes or these significant points and inshallah you'll you'll be able to find them inshallah once you hear Inshallah, every bit of information is more valuable. It becomes valuable when you, uh, you know, regarding the Quran. For a book to clear the record, to provide definitive uh, evidences regarding past events, that's no small thing. There's a lot of research that needs to be done to unearth and to discover the details of past people. Because things change. Within five years and ten years, events change in the sense that people don't necessarily remember, especially if it's an oral tradition, and if stories have not been written. People don't remember the stories. People don't remember the exact details. 
they suddenly become exaggerated in many cases. In so many stories, even of maybe events that you know, you'll hear it sometimes mentioned from someone else, something that happened 20 years ago, 30 years ago, maybe even in your lifetime, maybe even to you. You'll hear it from one of your relatives or your aunties or uncles or somebody and it may have been exaggerated, right? Some details added, you're like, that is not what happened. So this is, this is what happened. And when we're talking about really setting the record straight, the Qur'an is an amazing document in that sense, a historical document in that sense, because there is so much history in the Qur'an. So you could say that there's a huge aspect of historic, uh, historical aspects in the Qur'an, right, regarding especially unseen matters, you know, from times where there was probably no, no tradition to record these things, you know, clearly in detail to record these things. And that's number one. Number two, there's a lot, lot to learn from past stories because they were humans like us. And if things happen to them, they can happen to us as well. The way they reacted, the way we react, um, what their eventual conclusion was, what their eventual punishment was, their reward. And we can also refer to the same kind of thing. This benefits a lot of people. It benefits the believer. It benefits the rejecter. right? To see how denial and what denial did, it will, it will help somebody like that as well. It also helps people whether they just want the surface aspect of the story, the apparent meaning of the story, or they want to go deep and they want to analyze uh, reasoning for why things happen in the way they did happen, why it happens in cycles, why it's the same kind of uh, result that uh, many other rejectors of uh, or communities that rejected prophets, what they incurred you know, over and over and over again. So there's a lot in there, whether somebody wants to just casually read something or whether somebody wants to actually do some analysis and they want to provide a better understanding of these things. That's why the Qur'an has a huge focus on stories, huge focus on stories and accounts of the past. And that really, really helps the da'wah. There's a really big purpose of helping the invite. Uh, the, the Qur'an is inviting the same people as the previous prophets invited. Right, similar kind of people that uh, that have been invited. So there's a lot of parallels, a lot of reflections, a lot of similarities that we can learn from there. So let's look at this in a bit more detail today. So when a person is going to undertake a study of the Quran and you start looking into it more deeply, you start understanding its meaning. And you'll find that the stories are very, very prominent in there. Right? So what are the purposes for these stories? You know, is it just to give you a story, just to give you raw bits of information, juicy bits of information, or is it to really uh, give you some other benefits? The most important of these targets, and uh, you can say outcomes the Quran is looking for, the first one I would probably say is to establish and emphasize and fully ground the prophecy of Rasulullah to prove that he is a prophet. That is, you could say, probably one of the, the biggest of the benefits or you can say objectives, rather, of the stories mentioned in the Quran. That this, pro this person who is uh, bringing this uh, news to you and these accounts to you, he is a prophet and this is wahi and revelation that is, that is coming down to you. It's wahi, it's revelation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sending down to him. Otherwise, how else would he have had this information? The reason is that, as we said earlier, much of the knowledge of the past had 
had withered, had disappeared, right? And there was just remnants of small bits of information here and there about Ibrahim salam, Ismail salam, and about Musa salam, and so on. People have, may have heard their names, but they didn't really know the stories in, in detail. That's regarding the stories of the past. The Prophet now is an ummi who's not recite, who's not read. He's not studied in that sense. He's not formally sat at the, you know, at the feet of teachers and and been studying things and you know researching and reading books and taking exams. He's not done any of that. In fact, not just him, but much of the people there are ummis, right? Because their their style was different. They were just the practical people outside, just uh, getting getting way through their farming, trading, and and things like that. They were Ummi people. Majority of them had not studied as well. Also, the Prophet ﷺ is in Makkah Mukarramah. There's not much Ahlul Kitab there. You have to remember that. When we're talking about Ahlul Kitab, the people of the book, they were in Medina Munawwara. They were further north. right? So they were the Jews in Medina Munawwara and then there were the Christians further up uh, in Najran, etc. or down south. Right? There was nobody in Makkah Mukarramah. There was hardly anybody in Makkah Mukarramah. You ha- you know, if there was anybody that thought differently in Makkah Mukarramah, there were few who had kind of given up the, the religion of uh, shirk, given up this ideology of polytheism, and they had started to believe in one God or something, and maybe there was a few other people. Otherwise, there were hardly you know, any people of the book in Makkah Mukarramah. There was obviously no school. There was no madrasa as such. There was no seminary. There was no college. There was uh, no nursery, nothing of that case. So the Prophet ﷺ did not, was not brought up among the people of the book either. Right? And neither did he even have access to, for example, the Torah or the Zabur or the Injil or anything of that nature because he just wasn't part of that. That's not a book that was there that they were reading. There were no, it doesn't seem like there were too many people even proselytizing or you know, trying to invite towards those faiths in those countries, in those areas actually. So the Prophet ﷺ never dealt with any of that at all. So now when he started providing knowledge that was only seen to have been you know, with the people of the book, but more knowledge than that. And he had not been in touch with these people. You could see how much of a massive impact and astonishment that created that. Where is he getting this from? Just imagine somebody in your family or in your circle, right, who doesn't read much and hasn't studied much, has no degree, nothing, hardly has studied, you know, just uh, doing other things. And then suddenly starts coming and telling you these amazing stories. And they can't actually sound right. They're not made up. You're going to think, where is he getting this stuff from? You know, you're going to say, oh, now he started reading books. So he's going onto these websites or whatever the case is. But in those days, you could tell what somebody else was doing. And there was no way that he could have received this from anywhere. He had some direct download. You know, in those days, there was no internet. But this person had a direct download from Allah. It looks like he had an internet connection. So it was just mind-boggling for them. They just couldn't understand it. That's why it made it so astonishing and a bigger miracle in that sense as well. Then what's interesting is that the stuff he was saying and what he was uh, mentioning actually made sense. And number two, when they would go and ask the Ahlul Kitab about it, it, it made sense. It was completely in line what, with uh, the information that they had. And in fact, it was even more precise You see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, This Qur'an, it, confer, it conforms, sorry, it confirms rather, it confirms to that which they already have. 
meaning the people, uh, the Christians and the Jews and others, what they already have, of the book, it confirms that. And wa muhaymin and Ali, and on top of that, what it does, see the word muhaymin comes from the concept of haymana. Haymana means to control, to guard, uh, to, uh, to hold in trust, almost. So muhaymin and Ali is saying that the Qur'an is a controller or a safekeeper or a guardian over those stories. In the sense that in those stories, the exaggerations and other things, the Qur'an comes to set it right. So the Qur'an is now the gatekeeper of this information and it's being uttered at the tongue of the Prophet Okay, another point that's very significant here is that the scholars of the Ahlul Kitab, they weren't freely offering these stories even among their own people. So while there were, you know, there was a lot more information that the people of the book in general had than the people in Makkah Mukarrama, for example, but they did not have uh, that depth of knowledge because the ulama, it would be seen as the domain of their scholars, right? So it's not something that they would be preaching and telling these stories and you can find them on YouTube and all the rest of it. Right, so now what's happening is this man from Makkah Mukarrama, this man from Makkah, right, who's not read anything, who's not studied anything, he suddenly starts giving all of these really, really uh, informative stories, and um, people are probably hearing them, you know, through the grapevine or whatever it is, and then suddenly they ask their scholars about these stories, and they say, "Who told you that? Like, which rabbi is talking to you about that, or which, you know, priest is telling you about that?" Said no, this is actually uh, this man in Makkah Mukarramah, and they're totally astonished. It piques their curiosity because they're like, this information is completely relevant to what we know as well, and that's kind of the missing section. Yeah, we didn't know that aspect, or uh, you know, maybe this part was more exaggerated or whatever, or we had a bit of doubts about this. So, for example, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells us this. Right? And Allah confirms this in many places after telling the story. This is what Allah says. For example, if you look at Surah Ali Imran, verse 44, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, after discussing, I mean, the famous story in Surah, Al- Surah Ali Imran, there's a famous story mentioned about Zakaria alayhi salam and his looking after Maryam alayhi salam and so on. Right? So uh, at the end of that story, it says, ذَلِكَ مِنْ أَنْبَاءِ الْغَيْبِ نُوحِيهِ إِلَيْكَ وَمَا كُنْتَ لَدَيْهِمْ إِذْ يُلْقُونَ أَقْلَامَهُمْ أَيُّهُمْ يَكْفُلُ مَرْيَمْ وَمَا كُنْتَ لَدَيْهِمْ إِذْ يَخْتَصِمُونَ These, this is all the knowledge of the unseen. These are all the accounts of the unseen which we have revealed to you, which we reveal to you. You are not there, Allah says, وَمَا كُنْتَ لَدَيْهِمْ You are not there when they were throwing, their, casting their pens into their pens or their um, they're scribing pens, yes, into uh, the water to see who is going to uh, be the guardian of Maryam alayhi salam, right? You were not there when they were disputing about that. SubhanAllah, what a beautiful way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. You were not there when that happens, but we're telling you these stories. Even though you are not present there, we're giving you this direct information. So what that was is that um, in order to pick lots, because Maryam alayhi salam, who's going to now look after her? The story is well known and you know, you'll hear it uh, during the Christmas period. Generally people, uh, you know, the, 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 the ulama speak about this story then. So Zakaria alayhi salam, you know, he was a relative. 
but in order they picked lots so what they did was they threw the pens into the water and they said that whoever's pen floats and doesn't sink it was the other way around they're the one who's going to be looking after Maryam salam. so there, there you go Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this is from the unseen news that we're providing you thereafter Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again says in Surah Uhud again Surah Uhud is full of stories Allah says in verse 49 of that تِلْكَ مِنْ أَنْبَاءِ الْغَيْبِ نُوحِيهَا إِلَيْكَ مَا كُنْتَ تَعْلَمُهَا أَنْتَ وَلَا قَوْمُكَ مِنْ قَبْلِ مَا كُنْتَ تَعْلَمُهَا أَنْتَ وَلَا قَوْمُكَ مِنْ قَبْلِ هَذَا فَاصْبِرْ إِنَّ الْعَاقِبَةَ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Again, this similar, similar. This is the news of the unseen that we are revealing to you. You did not know about it. Neither you, neither your people had any information about this, right, from before. So, now that you know these stories, and this is going to tell us another purpose of these stories. Now be patient and steadfast, right? Be steadfast because the final end, the beautiful end is for the righteous ones. So again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says how he's doing this. Um, so that's the first point. The purpose of it is to establish and is to, is to provide um, the idea that this is something the Prophet could not have gone from, gotten from anywhere else and it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second purpose is very simple. It's to support his prophets. Um, it's to show how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala supports, assists completely and defends his prophets and at the end of the day they will succeed. That's a huge aspect of these stories to be told over and over again about the people of the past that history okay right now we're just dealing with our situation right where Muslims are, are, are suffering in Palestine they're suffering in France and in other places right but eventually this is what will come out of it right so because this is what happened and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always defends his prophets and his messengers and the disbelievers they perish those who deny those who aggress they perish now you can imagine the psychological benefit this is going to have on the heart of the Prophet ﷺ. You know, to be able to draw that parallel and think that if that is what happened to them, we can hope for the same thing as well. How that is going to strengthen the hearts, mashallah, of the believers as well. Right? And how it's going to uh, cause a, a lot of... Um, it, you know, when these stories are told, obviously it's going to cause, when, when the disbelievers hear it, it's going to make them think as well that, hey, we, we are like those disbelievers. We are like those people who went, we're like Pharaoh. You know, we're like the people of Pharaoh. So this is going to have a huge effect in the hearts of people. And that's very, very much needed. So that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then didn't put the story in one place as well. Right? He put it over so many different places and it's constantly mentioned what happened. For example, what happened to the magicians and so on. That's why يَتَوَالَى عَلَيْهَا بَيَانُ نَصْرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ They are incessantly, continuously uh, receiving the information about how believers were supported in the past, how they were helped by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَخِذْلَانِ الْكَافِرِينَ And how the, how the rejectors were, were, were humiliated. So when you're constantly hearing that and you're in that same kind of a case, it really helps. That's why anybody who's feeling depressed about the you know, situation that takes place in the world in different places, what you've got is the Qur'an. You read the Qur'an and it just fills you with a lot more hope. Otherwise you feel extremely depressed and you feel like everything's been forsaken. 
That's why the Quran really, really helped. That in, eventually the haq will be established, the batil and the falsehood will will be will be uh, done away with, and uh, mashallah the the flag of justice will be raised, inshallah, and the all the strength of oppression, even though it looks so strong today, where you got nothing to do, just like it happened in Makkah Mukarramah, inshallah that is going to happen as well. So look at this now. And I'm not making this up. I mean, this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran himself. So let me show you the first verse is from Surah Tuhud, verse 100, verse 100 to 103. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, This is all the information and the news of the past communities that we are relating to you. Some of them are still standing while others have been destroyed and have perished. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, right? Then he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we did not oppress them, but they oppressed themselves because they did not do right. So they oppressed themselves by going against the prophets and the messengers and doing the wrong and doing the mischief and whatever else it was. So their gods that they used to worship, their idols and so on, were not able to help them at all. Those gods that they used to call upon besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were not able to help them at all in any way. When the command of your Lord arrived, when your, when your Lord's command arrived that they had to be punished or they had to be taken to task and they had to be seized, then their gods were not able to help them. In fact, their gods just increased them in their destruction. And this is exactly how your Lord's grip is when he grips a community while it is oppressive, your Lord his grip is very severe indeed. So that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. Obviously, this gives the purpose of why he tells the stories of the past. Likewise, when you look at Surah Ghafir, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the story of Musa alayhi salam in there. And it's a really, that part is a very, in Surah Al-Mu'min, um, it's a really, really interesting uh, account between Musa alayhi salam and Pharaoh, which is mentioned in other places, but in this one, it's got some different detail, right? And it discusses, um, the, oppression, the oppression of the people of Pharaoh and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala eventually gives uh, delivery to the people of Musa alayhi salam and he, dis, uh, he completely destroys Pharaoh. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says at the end of it, you can check this up in verses 51 and 52 of Surah Al-Ghafir. Allah says, we will certainly assist and help our messengers and those who believe in this world, in this life, life of this world, and also on the day of judgment. We will assist them in both times. That will be the day when 
no oppressor will be benefiting from his excuses and for him will be absolute curse and damnation and for them will be the worst of abodes. So that, you know, gives you an idea that when somebody is persecuting you like that, you know, it feels good that you know that they're eventually going to be destroyed for what they're doing because people inherently, human beings, have this idea of revenge, right? Or of uh, delivery from the wrong. That's the second purpose. So the first purpose of the stories in the Quran, when you read the Quran with its translation and you start pondering the first story, uh, sorry, the first uh, objective of it was to show that the Prophet is a prophet. He's got news from beyond where you could never have got it. And number two, it's telling you um, it's to strengthen the believers and to show how the um, issue is with the disbelievers and with those who reject. Number three, Within these stories, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing also in the little details in this story, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is propagating in there and establishing the foundations of the deen, of the faith, right? Religious people, good people, people in suffering but righteous people, what do they do? What do they believe? What's their attitude? Uh, sabr, for example, shukr, uh, thankfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, assisting one another, you know, uh, defending one another, uh, fighting against the enemy. All of these things, there's lots of little, little lessons that you draw from it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to tell us through these stories. So these stories are not just for one purpose, they're for multiple purposes. There's lots of little, little advices and counsels that you're going to get from these stories as well, that if you're listening carefully, you'll be able to pick them up and make them relevant to you. These are not just stories of the past that, hey, that's a really nice story of the past. It's about how that applies to me and how that applies to you. So there's a lot of stories in there, that, a lot of little points in there that you will find. The point, you see, the purpose of uh, create uh, some inspiration in you. That, look, this is what they did. You should do the same thing as well. Or it's to warn that, look, this is what that happened to them. So you should be careful as well. Right. Because if you hear about a story of the boy who cried wolf, Right, for example, I'm speaking to the children here. Right, if you hear about the story of the boy who cried wolf, everybody knows that story. Then you're you're not going to you're going to try to avoid being the the kid who cried wolf in your affairs, because it's sometimes people do these kind of things. Right, you don't want to be a kid that cried wolf, did you? Yeah, you want to have to be trusted. So these are lots of lessons that we draw from these stories. Now look at this. I mean, one of my favorite surahs in the Quran is this surah to Ghafir, especially the story "Waqala Rajulum Mu'minum Min Ali Fir'aun" and the the advices he gives. Now Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala in this story doesn't use a prophet story, meaning it's not the prophet who's speaking or giving the advice. In this one, which is really interesting, because you know some people who are reading it might think, "Oh, it's prophets who are giving these stories and it's prophets who are giving these advices." Well, obviously, because prophets are special and they're gifted and they have a direct connection from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So, the person giving the advice in Surah Al-Ghafir, a lot of the advice is the believer himself. That's why this surah is called Surah Al-Mu'min as well, Surah Al-Ghafir or Surah Al-Mu'min. So it says. وَقَالَ رَجُلٌ مُؤْمِنٌ مِّنْ آلِ فِرْعَوْنَ يَكْتُمُ إِيمَانَهُ أَتَقْتُلُونَ رَجُلًا أَنْ يَقُولَ رَبِّيَ اللَّهِ وَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ And it's beautiful. I mean, we could, we could spend, uh, you know, just the next half an hour discussing what this uh, person uh, 
who was a the secret believer he now it says that the this believing person from the family of pharaoh from the people of pharaoh who was hiding his faith he started saying them as though you know he's giving them an objective advice he's saying are you just going to kill meaning musa salam are you just going to kill him because he says that my lord is allah whereas he's actually brought evidences to you he's trying to talk to them rationally he's brought evidences to you so why are you going to kill him for like you know what fight evidence with evidence why do you have to kill somebody for and then he carries on yeah we'll have to do this at another time if you can do it it's just we don't have time to go into all of that story i would love to go into that story but he says i'm warning you like you know uh, there's uh, people of the past who are warned and he gives this whole advice now that for me really benefits me because this is not a prophet speaking for example it is just another person it could have been me inshallah you know it could have been me that could be i could be this person right to help people like this a person who's become muslim you know he he could be this person okay the fourth uh, the fourth benefit of stories in the quran then right after this third one is to provide responses for many of the accusations against believers and against faith and uh, you know maybe some people who are praising disbelief and all the rest of it so this is to provide responses to this as well through these stories one of the ideas that people had of the people of the past is that these were cavemen right and they were living in jungles they were completely wild and crazy like you know and then you know our whole evolution theory nowadays uh, supports this kind of idea that they were just absolutely primitive individuals who had no idea you know no concept uh, no intelligence they used to just live at the peaks of mountains on in valleys and things like that and eventually i mean there's this idea that uh, eventually it's fear of something or the other you know of looking at natural phenomena like fires and uh, uh, tsunamis and storms and um, hurricanes and things of that that it, they what that did was that when you see a hurricane then you think the wind is uh, the god because it's the hurricane and when there's a storm and uh, you think the 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 wind or the the sea is god so then you start making those things into gods so they're trying to say that the people of the past had no god like ha- had no belief in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allah did not exist for them rather they had made uh, the ocean into their god they had made the wind as their god they had considered maybe the mountain as their god wherever they saw some benefit or some fear coming from they just made that into god and while there have been people like that who've done that but the faith in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been there since man came onto this world right so when man adam alayhi was in this came to this world that is when faith also came with it. Adam Alislam was a believer and there's been believers since then. Adam Alislam was not believing in something else. He believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And how do we learn that? Well, we learn that through the story. So for example, you know, Allah subhanahu uh, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said regarding the Quran, Fihi ma kana qablakum wa khabru ma ba'dakum. So this is a famous hadith that Imam Tirmidhi has uh, transmitted in his book. It says, in it is news of those people before you and also the news of which is to come after you. The Quran encompasses all of that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us answers in the Quran about these weird concepts and ideas and misunderstandings people have. So, for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says regarding Adam alayhi salam, after the whole issue with Iblis, you know, where the Iblis 
did not prostrate, he became the accursed one, he misled and caused them to eat. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ نَهْبِطُوا مِنْهَا جَمِيعًا فَإِمَّا يَأْتِيَنَّكُمْ مِنِّي هُدًا فَمَنْ تَبِعَ هُدَايَ فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ We said to them, you all now go down onto the earth. You're not in paradise anymore because remember we were supposed to be in paradise first. Now all of you go down, descend to the earth. Now when from me the guidance comes to you, then whoever will follow my guidance, there will be no fear on that person and those people will ne be, never be grieving. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is promising guidance to these people, uh, Adam alayhi salam and his you know, initial progeny, initial uh, children and so on as they are going to be on the earth. Thereafter that, you see that all the prophets that are mentioned in the Quran, the whole story of each of these prophets is generally to do with the belief in God, belief in one God, and going against the wrongs that people are doing. That's a constant uh, theme from nearly in every prophet's story there is. Yusuf Islam's story and in many, many other stories. So, all of these stories have to do with destroying some mischief, destroying some wrong, destroying some bad tradition, some evil tradition. All of them have got to do with that. So, if believers only came later, then how is it that all of these prophets that have been coming from before, every single one of them is calling towards virtue and goodness? This is another point that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala establishes through these stories of the accounts of the past people that faith is as old as humanity itself. Let's take a few examples of this, right? We're not making this up. Let's take a few examples of this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Zukhruf, verse 23, وَكَذَلِكَ مَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ فِي قَرْيَةٍ مِّنْ نَذِيرٍ إِلَّا قَالَ مُتْرَفُوهَا إِنَّا وَجَدْنَا آبَاءَنَا عَلَىٰ أُمَّةٍ وَإِنَّا عَلَىٰ آثَارِهِمْ مُقْتَدُونَ Likewise, we sent before you to every place. Right? Uh, we sent before you to every area, every locality, we sent a warner. Every time we sent a warner, their excessive people and their mischief mongers and so on, they, their response was, we found our forefathers upon a certain way and that is the way we are going to follow. So we're not going to follow you because we are doing taqlid and blind following of our forefathers who were on idol worship or whatever the wrong faith was. So now this is telling you that this was a constant thing. This isn't just about Musa salam. This isn't just about Isa salam. But this is about all the prophets before. Allah is saying that every time we sent a warner, this is what the people were doing. So, you know, we, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sending people before that. Now, what does this do is, you can see from here that all the prophets, their main call was that stop following your forefathers who were wrong. Stop following the wrong traditions. Just because you know you have this corrupt tradition, it doesn't mean you need to continue to follow it. Free your mind. So the prophets were all calling towards a proper freedom, right? Freedom of following their forefathers, right? And to get insight so that they can benefit from it. Number two, what we, what else we learn from in this regard? You see, all of this is to do with um, uh, rejecting the objections. Right? All of this is to do, uh, do with reject, uh, rejecting misconceptions, clarifying misconceptions and so on. So the first one was about saying that all the prophets before us were 
uh, what do you call it, were people who, uh, no, all the people before us had no faith and they had faith in weird things and, and so on. And this, uh, you know, belief and so on is, is a later idea, right? Now, let us look at a few verses in which when the Anbiya, uh, when the Prophets are speaking, the evidences that they're providing and that benefits other people who come later. So, for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah An-Nuh, verse 15 and uh, verse 15 to 18. Alam samawatin وَجَعَلَ الْقَمَرَ فِيهِنَّ نُورًا وَجَعَلَ الشَّمْسَ سِرَاجًا وَاللَّهُ أَنْبَتَكُمْ مِنَ الْأَرْضِ نَبَاتًا ثُمَّ يُعِيدُكُمْ فِيهَا وَيُخْرِجُكُمْ إِخْرَاجًا Nuh saying, Do you not see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the seven heavens in layers? And He's created the moon uh, in those seven layers. He's created the moon as a light. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has then created a sun as a lamp as well. right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed you to grow in this world and then after that He will bring you back. right? Uh, he will return you back into the world and then He will remove you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is the Prophet telling them. So we're learning from the message of these Prophets as well. We're learning from the message of these Prophets. Then you look at Ibrahim alayhi salam. Qala Ibrahim rabbiya alladhi yuhyi wa yumeet. Qala ana uhyi wa umeet. Qala Ibrahim fa inna allaha yati bishamsi minal mashriqi fa'ti biha minal maghribi fabuhita alladhi kafar. This is the famous story when he was challenged by the tyrant. So Ibrahim alayhi salam had to respond to him and said, My Lord is the one who brings people to life and who uh, gives death as well. So then the guy said, I also do the same thing. And he had somebody who was supposed to be free and had him killed. There was another person who was supposed to be killed because he was in prison. He got him and he freed him and he says, look, I do the same thing. So then Ibrahim Alisan responded with his uh, second uh, part. He says, but look, my Lord, he brings the sun from the east to the west because the sun rises in the east every morning and it sets in the west. Now you go and show it coming from the west. That's when that person, so when the first, um, the, uh, when the first proof or the first uh, challenge, uh, uh, the person was a bit absurd, you know, in responding to it, in the way he responded to it, the, the second challenge. So this tells you how they, the proofs that they use as well. Likewise, when it came to Musa alayhi salam, Pharaoh challenged him and says, Qala faman rabbukuma ya Musa, who is your Lord, O Musa? Said, قَالَ رَبُّنَا الَّذِي أَعْطَى كُلَّ شَيْءٍ أَعْطَى كُلَّ شَيْءٍ خَلَقَهُ ثُمَّ هَدَى My Lord is the one who uh, basically أَعْطَى كُلَّ شَيْءٍ خَلَقَهُ ثُمَّ هَدَى My Lord is the one who actually gives everything its creation. And then He guides them, right? Showing the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Quran is full of this. The Quran is full of this. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَوْ كَانَ فِيهِمَا آلِهَةٌ إِلَّا اللَّهُ لَفَسَدَتَا فَسُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَرْشِ عَمَّا يَصِفُونَ Had there been many, many gods in the heavens and the earth besides Allah or other than Allah or in place of Allah, they would have uh, both been in chaos. Right? They would have both been in chaos. But you see that the earth and the heavens, they're working in a perfect system. Because there's only one God who's looking after them. And uh, purified is Allah. 
glorified is Allah, the Lord of the throne, from everything that they say. Allah is beyond everything that they describe Him with. Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in another place, أَمْ خُرِقُوا مِنْ غَيْرِ شَيْءٍ أَمْ هُمُ الْخَارِقُونَ Were they created from nothing? Like, were they just created from, they just appeared in this world? Or are they the creators themselves? What's going on here? Were they created from nothing? And you can tell the atheists the, sa the same thing today. Were they created from nothing? Or were they created from nothing? Or are they the creators? Were they created from nothing? Or are they the creators? There's many, many other... So the constant discourse of the stories, what they're telling us is they're providing evidences, answers, responses, understanding, insight, and so on. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells anybody else that, look, if you've got an issue, then قُلْهَاتُوا بُرْهَانَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ right? This is exactly what some of the Prophets said as well, that, okay, you bring your evidences if you're truthful. The Qur'an is providing its evidences. There were, there were groups of people who had started, even those people who had actually heard the story. So you had a whole group of people who had never heard these stories or who did not know much about these stories properly. But then you had this other group of people who started to doubt these stories, right? So you had a whole group of people who started doubt these stories. Why did they doubt these stories? Is because, as I said, over the course of history, while the stories were correct stories to begin with in their foundation, the main points of these stories were correct. But over the centuries, what had happened was people started exaggerating, adding spice to these stories and making up additional parts to it. Oh, Musa also do th did this and, uh, and Jesus, Isa Islam, he, this is also what happened and he said to this, he said this thing to that person and so on. You know, just to kind of magnify and dramatize it a bit more. So what that did was it created confusion because there were contradictions. You know, somebody uh, gave a story about Musa Islam like this and another person gave it like this. So there was contradiction. So people started to deny these stories. They started to reject these stories. Right. So there was a whole confusion about these stories as well. Right? That's another thing. That's why the Quran also came to set the record straight that the story we're telling you are the absolute correct stories. We're not making anything up. We've removed all the fluff from there, all the spice from there, all the drama from there. And this is exactly what it is. That's why there's people who like to, uh, in Muslims, you know, Muslim writers who like to write storybooks. So one is if you make up your own story of a, fictition, a fictitious character, that's completely fine. You're allowed to do that as long as you know, you're trying to give a good message. And I would, I would actually encourage our brothers and sisters there who like to write, to write good stories, you know, to replace things like Harry Potter and so on, right? And to make them so gripping, but with good points in there, rather than you know, promoting and glorifying magic to you know, glorify something else. Zakaria, are you going to write stories? Inshallah. Yeah. So you need to write those kind of stories, okay? So now, um, what some people have done is they take the stories of some Sahaba or some Prophets and while all the main points are in there, they add a lot of other fluff and that day was a beautiful day and there were rolling mountains around there and uh, you know there was a squirrel jumping around. Like, how do you know that? You know, I don't think that's allowed because you're changing the discourse. You have to be very careful. Right now, if there's clearly something in the story, in the sources, that shows you that it was a very bright day, how do you know it wasn't a dull day? Right? You know what I'm saying? I have an issue with this because this is going to basically sully the record at the end of the day. That kid who's growing up, I know you might say, well, this is harmless stuff in there. Now, I'm not 
specifically giving a fatwa the specific details here, but I'm saying you need to be very careful about how you do that. I personally would never do that. I would I would mention the facts straight. If I had any analysis to add to that or any conclusions to draw from there, I would do that and make sure that they're a conclusion. It's not that that was the case, you know. Oh, and there were a few goats ring or, uh, you know, around in the area or whatever the case is. I mean, unless you can prove that there were goats there, right? So there was a lot of this interpolation, a lot of modification, a lot of this corruption happened in the story. So there was a lot of people who didn't believe in these stories and they thought they were just made up by people, right? They were just made up. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sets the record straight in that case as well to show that, no, these are true stories and there's a big role for these stories to play in our lives as well, right? Uh, because the story of Ibrahim alayhi salam, the story of Musa alayhi salam, of Isa alayhi salam, it has a very transformative uh, role to play in the lives of human beings. I mean, if you, if you ask the children, I mean, haven't you benefited from the lives of the prophets and their stories when they were read to you when you were young, right? Don't you, didn't you enjoy them and benefit from them, right? So that's, that's what it tells us. Inshallah... Uh, tomorrow we continue with this discussion about then the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the stories. We've uh, discussed today the purposes for which these stories have been told, why they're stories in the Quran and why they are such a prominent feature in the Quran. Tomorrow we want to, and this will be inshallah beneficial for us when we're looking at the stories itself of the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells these stories and then we're going to have some other additional aspects. Now we have just well, about three days left for this inshallah and we're hoping that either on, uh, most likely on Tuesday we'll have our general kind of question and answer session regarding this. Uh, meaning any questions that have come in so far, we're going to try to answer them on that day. And we're also going to try to answer any live question that anybody have. We will try to answer them as well, inshallah. And again, if you have any other suggestions, because there's a lot more themes of the Quran to discuss, a lot more sciences of the Quran to discuss. Um, Imam Suyuti has a huge book on this subject. Um, Imam Zurqani has a huge book on this subject. What we've chosen is a very specific points uh, that we thought were relevant. So... May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept this. And again, if you have any questions, please email them to us through Zamzam Academy. And inshallah, we will try to deal with them on the Tuesday. Otherwise, uh, Jazakallah khair and Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khair for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, um, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.